the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. God's grace is amazing. We have gone through many trials and temptations. We have gone through times of an intense demonic attack. We live in a day of great evil. Evil is coming on every side. Evil is now accepted in America as though it is normal, natural. It's time for Christians to stand up and absolutely say, No. No. We cannot be a part of a wicked culture. We have to stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ with love and kindness and mercy, but in total opposition to wickedness. We cannot, with a wink and a shrug, in any way send a message of approval. We must call evil by its proper name. We must expose evil for what it is. We cannot afford to play games with darkness. Today I'd like to share with you the story of Elijah as he has stood in the face of absolute evil in King Ahab. He has turned the nation at Mount Carmel to say, The Lord, he is God. There was revival, but there was no reformation. And revival without reformation is very short-lived. Without a humbling of our hearts before Almighty God, and without a humbling of our hearts before one another, without a transparent, honest confession of sin, without an honest repentance, turning from sin, there can be no real redemption from heaven. Elijah has stood like a pillar against evil. But he is exhausted. He is beaten down. And he is discouraged. 1 Kings 19, beginning with verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel about everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, 
take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Any of you who have honestly labored in the kingdom of God will acknowledge that you too have at times felt like Elijah was your brother. Times of great trial, criticism, rejection, failure. Elijah had nothing to fear from Jezebel. He would soon learn that. But right now his heart was exhausted. He was physically beat up. He had been walking in the hot, hot air of the desert. He had tried his very best to deal with the sin in Israel. He had tried to turn this great ship, this nation, he had tried to turn it to righteousness. And now they were going to kill him. And all he could think of was, I have failed. I have to run. This sense of failure is huge. Every man and every woman wants to feel like you have some success. Part of what God has done with me is he's fenced me in because he doesn't want any of my confidence to be in my abilities or any human skill. Then I would take the glory for myself. He will have none of that. And so he has fenced me in and he has said to me, Wait upon the Lord. In other words, you can't turn this nation to revival. You can't, and I can't. But we serve a God who can. And I stand by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I wrote a text this morning to a friend. I said, if you don't stand by faith, you will not stand at all. Be encouraged in Jesus. Elijah, a holy man of God, finally says, I've had enough. I can't go any further. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm beat up. There is an assassin on my trail. I have no defense. I'm done. But now I'll tell you what I love so much about Elijah. He stirs my heart. Elijah is a man of great passion. He does everything with exuberance. He doesn't do anything halfway. If he's going to pray, he's all in. He's going to pray. If he's going to preach, he's all in. He's going to preach. There's no holding back for Elijah. And now in his discouragement, again, there is no holding back. But oh, there is one mark that we must see and understand and we must follow. And that is, when he is at his extremity, 
when he no longer has any hope, where does he go? He runs to the mountain of God. I found myself in the prayer closet at the early hours of the morning crying out, Lord, I've had enough. I'm exhausted. I'm a failure. How do I go on? But that was not enough to pray. I then prayed, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm going to follow Elijah's example. I am coming to you. And I lay it all down at your feet. For you never lost a battle. Nothing is too hard for you. You are the mighty God of heaven. You voluntarily laid your life down as a sacrifice on Calvary. They didn't murder you. You offered your life as an atoning sacrifice. You were not a victim. You were a volunteer. And the glory is upon your countenance now as you dwell in the heavenlies. Jesus, you are magnificent. I trust you. My eyes are upon you. When you can't go any further, don't quit. <laughs> when you can't go any further, don't quit. Go to Jesus. He prays, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I thought about my father, a lay pastor, who when he retired, started pastoring a little country church in Fowler Ridge, Ohio. It was about a 45-minute drive one way. I went with Dad many times to that little Fowler Ridge church where a company of maybe 15 to 20 people would gather as he would preach the gospel. During the week, we might go over and clean the church or during the week we might go over and patch the roof or do some other repair that was necessary to keep the building in working order. But slowly, the congregation dwindled. It was an elderly congregation. Dad was probably in his 70s. He'd had a heart attack. He had a pacemaker put in. That didn't stop him. But finally, his health deteriorated to a point where he said, I can't do any more. I've done all I can do. And the church never grew. I sat and talked with Dad about that many times. And all he would say is, Ray, if the Lord does not build the house, the workers work in vain. He said, I'm not here to be successful. I'm here to be what Jesus has asked me to be. But in spite of that, I saw the deep sorrow in his heart and the deep discouragement in his spirit. 
As a young man, I did my best to encourage my father. But there is no pain so sharp in the heart of a man as what he perceives as failure. Failure with his children, failure with his profession, failure with his marriage, failure just crucifies a man. This man, Elijah, doesn't quit. He just goes to sleep. My late wife, Jan, used to always say to me when I would become discouraged in the late of night, she would say, no good decision is made after 10 o'clock at night. Let's just go to bed. She was right. The next morning, as we prayed through, our hearts were encouraged, and we trusted in Jesus. I do the same thing now. The Lord just says, you're tired, go to sleep. You're hungry, eat. You're happy, laugh. You're sad, cry. But trust me, (laughs) that's how I live. He lay down under the tree and he falls asleep and it's hot. He has no sleeping bag. He has no tent. And he has no food. Now, what happens next is so powerful and so encouraging to my heart, and I have experienced it time after time. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank, and then he lay down again. What I hear being said here is that in your time of extremity, where you're utterly broken before God, in that time when you're utterly discouraged with the evil that is encroaching everywhere, when that evil is coming and you know you can't stop it and you have done your best to minister to your family, to your friends, to your church, when you've done everything you can do and you're utterly exhausted and beat up and all you can do is go to sleep, God will send to you a ministering spirit. Lord, I'm just coming right now because I'm hearing in my spirit that there are men and women listening to this broadcast today who don't know how they can continue. They've been in the fight. From their perspective, they have failed. From their perspective, they cannot go any further. Lord, don't let them turn away, but cause them to head for you, Jesus. Cause them 
to flee to the mountain of God, to the prayer closet. And Lord, please give them rest. And please send a ministering spirit to feed them in whatever way they need to be fed. If it's bread, hot bread off the coals, the aroma must have been wonderful. Lord, if it's fresh water, whatever their need is today, would you send a ministering spirit to speak to them and give to them and encourage them? Lord, I know right now you're sending your ministering spirits to people who are listening to this broadcast and you're speaking to their heart and you're saying, don't give up. Be encouraged. Don't despair. Evil will have its day. Every dog has its time to bark. And right now the devil is barking very loud. And he has people who are joining him in the chorus of howling. And it looks like the church is destroyed. Locked down. Finances destroyed. Homes, mortgages can't be paid. Credit cards can't be paid. Lord, I'm asking right now, would you send your ministering spirit to those precious men and women who love you with all of their heart? And would you encourage them? Would you cause them, Jesus, to trust in you and not to turn aside from you, not to go left or right, not to give up, but to stand though the heavens fall? And Lord, there are some today who have received wonderful news and they have seen your deliverance and their hearts are encouraged. I thank you for those precious ones who have who have received already that ministering spirit. But I ask for the rest of us. Yea, I ask for me. The coming of your ministering spirit. I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. He lays back down. He's exhausted. It's as though he has not slept. The fresh baked bread, I'm sure, was very nourishing. It was the food of heaven. Maybe it was made of manna. I know it was very satisfying to him. He goes back to sleep. A second time, the angel of the Lord, verse 7, came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Heaven recognizes when the journey is too much for you. The answer is not to become angry but to run to God, to run to the mountain of God, to remember the promises he has whispered into your heart, 
to remember the words of encouragement he has spoken to you in the past, to remember the miracles that have happened. I face the end of the month, and the money for radio is not yet in place for the month of June. Now, there was a time when I have been discouraged about that, but now I only look at what God has done in the past and how he has moved in your hearts who listen and how you have responded and you have kept this broadcast on the air. And I just say, Lord, I believe you will do it again. I trust in you, Jesus. That is not a struggle for me anymore. The struggle for me is the very few YouTube hits that we receive when the YouTubes should be viral. I cry out to the Lord about that. I say, Lord, will you establish revival in this nation? It seems there is no interest. If I allow myself, I will be exhausted and tired and discouraged over that. The Lord knows that, so he comes and touches you a second time. If necessary, he'll touch you three times. The heart of God is to make you holy. The heart of God is to make you righteous. The heart of God is to turn you from any idea that your sustenance will flow from the devil, from the world, from the flesh. He wants you to know that he is the God who supplies you and who feeds you and who cares for you. You can trust him. You can trust his word to you. What word has Jesus whispered into your heart? Has he told you what to do? Then do it and wait upon him. And when you stumble and fall, he'll come and touch you. His angels, according to Hebrews, are flaming spirits sent to those who are destined to be saved. He touches him a second time and in sympathy says, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. He's already walked a full day. He's been on the run. Remember, he was camped out beside that brook in a dry camp. He had no food there. God sent ravens. He had the brook to drink from, and it ran dry. And then he was sent to a widow in Zarephath. There was no security for him. It was a daily trusting in the provision of God. We have to come into that same place where we recognize that our life is in the hands of Jesus Christ and he is our provision. He is the bread of life. His blood is real drink. And he wants us to eat and drink. 
the scriptures say that Elijah is strengthened by the food of the angel. He is so filled with strength and energy from this heavenly food that he then walks 40 days and 40 nights until he reaches Horeb, Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Now this is a a storied place. Remember, this holy mountain was where Elijah took his, where Moses took his sheep, and where he saw a bush that was burning, and he went to investigate. And the Lord spoke to him and said, "Take your your sandals off, for this this is holy ground. This is where." Moses brought the children of Israel and God came down on Mount Sinai, probably the Mount Sinai in Saudi Arabia. The rock that was split apart is still there. It's huge. And you can see plainly where the water, the river of water rushed down from that rock through the desert. You can see signs of an altar that was built to Baal, the golden calves. You can see the sign of the encampment as it was laid out. You can see the place where the animals were brought for sacrifice before a holy God. This is Mount Horeb. I was praying this past week, and I said, Oh, God, could I go to Mount Horeb? And then I said, Oh God, could I go back to Israel? Could I lay in the tomb where you lay? Would you meet me there? All was quiet until the Lord spoke. He said, I'm with you. I'm in you. I'm here all the time. I have, over the last week or so, become increasingly aware of the constant presence of God in my life, sensing in the Spirit the presence of God abiding with me. I've been praising Him for that. It has been a source of great encouragement. It's been a source of food and drink. I woke up this morning very troubled over some passages of Scripture that I was struggling with, not understanding. As I prayed through those Scriptures, the Lord unveiled them for me. He said something very interesting to me. He said, don't go beyond the Scriptures in what you teach. Now, I knew that, but it was very clear direction for me. Don't get into supposition. Don't draw conclusions that are not drawn in the Scriptures. Don't say things that the Scriptures don't say. Only go as far as the Scriptures go. For I don't preach my own ideas. I don't preach my own... my own truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not Ray Greenlee. 
So I'm to preach the word of God and only go as far as he goes. And if I think I've come up with a brand new interpretation that nobody has ever held before, I can be pretty certain I'm wrong. Holy Spirit's been speaking for many years to his people. Who am I? I'm nobody. Jesus is everybody. He is the light. He is the truth. He is the way. I urge you, Pastor, don't preach beyond what Jesus says. Don't preach beyond what the Scriptures say. Let the Word of God be your final authority. Live by the Word of the living God. So here we have Elijah, a ministering spirit, comes to him twice. Do I have the right to claim and ask that Jesus will likewise send a ministering spirit to me? Absolutely, I do. And he does. And I praise his name for that. He travels now 40 days and 40 nights on the two meals served to him from the hand of a ministering spirit. And he reaches Horeb. Now he has no food. He has no water. The Lord has miraculously carried him through the desert on the food and water of the angels who ministered to him. It was supernatural food and supernatural strength. He goes to the mountain and there is a cave and he goes in and he sleeps that night in the cave. There's no water. It's a dry camp. And the word of the Lord came to him that next morning. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replies. I want you to hear his reply. I have been very zealous. That word zealous means I've been all in. I've held nothing back. For the Lord God Almighty, I have held nothing back from you, Lord. I have given you every ounce of my energy. I have given you every ounce of my heart. I have poured out my soul for you, Lord God of heaven. I've been very zealous for you. But the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They have broken down your altars. They have put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I want you to recognize this for what it is. It's a rant. It is a well-rehearsed rant before God. I sympathize. I have my rants too. And God will hear them. He's not offended by them. As long as they're respectful. The Lord says to him, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. 
for the Lord is about to pass by. Now, I'm not quite sure how to say this to you. We can live shallow, weak, failing Christian lives and Christian ministry. But if we are zealous for the Lord, if we are all in with the Lord God of heaven, the day will come, and I say this by faith. I don't say this by experience. I say this by faith. That if we are zealous for God, if we are all in, we will utterly exhaust ourselves in the work of God. We will hold back nothing of finance. We will hold back nothing for ourselves. We are in totally for Jesus. The day will come when we reach the utter end and the Lord will recognize what we have been and what we have done. And he will say to us, now I want to show you myself. Remember, Moses said, Lord, if you're not going to go with us, how will they know the difference between us and the pagans? If you don't go with us, I'm not going. And finally, the Lord said, okay, I'm going to go with you. But then he said, show me your glory. Moses had to be taken another step in intimacy with God. And I want to tell you, there are multiple steps of intimacy to walk into the presence and the knowing of the Almighty God of heaven. And we have in America lived at such a shallow, wicked level in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is so much more for us. The gospel of Jesus is not for entertainment, it's for salvation. It's not to satisfy our desire for entertainment with a little praise and music and the modern genre. That's not what Jesus is for. We were called to be fishers of men. We were called to expose evil. We were called to stand as soldiers of the cross, to put on the full armor of God, to go to war with evil to be adventurous and all in. And as we do that, as with Elijah, the word of the Lord will finally come. The Lord is about to pass by. And we are going to be brought then into a much deeper understanding of who God is and what God is like. And we are going to be empowered with Pentecost. This is about to happen for many of us. The Lord wants revival in the church, but he can't have revival in the church with shallow men and women. And I've been confessing before God, Oh Lord, I repent of my shallowness. I repent of my vain imaginations. I repent of my earthly desires. I have been very zealous for you, Lord. I have put it all into your hands, and now please forgive me for how shallow I have been, how shallow my preaching is, how, how 
how my lack of understanding has hindered me, how my pride has gotten in the way, how my vain imagination of being successful has stood in the way, how my discouragement has stood in the way. It has to be a new depth of understanding, a new anointing in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. This is what Elijah is now going to receive. Go out. Stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. I need Jesus to pass by me like blind Bartimaeus. I need Jesus to pass by me like the leper. I need Jesus to say to me, Ray, do you love me? And feed my sheep. This was the empowering of Peter for ministry. This was a new revelation to his heart. It was painful. He was a little put off and offended, and always we will be when we come into the presence of God. For the flesh doesn't count in the presence of God. It's crucified. The church of Jesus in this day must enter a new time of anointing, a new time of understanding, a new level of humility, a new level of believing, a new level of ministry. Or we will never be able to accomplish what we've been told to accomplish in making believers of rescuing men and women from the powers of the devil. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. There was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. The Lord's not going to come to us in some big show. He did that at the first Pentecost. He came with flames of fire and the wind. That's probably not going to happen again. He doesn't do the same thing twice. No, as Elijah stood before him on that mountain, God was not in the fire or the earthquake. He was not in the wind. There came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. This was the God he knew. This was the gentle voice of Almighty God speaking to his servant. 
the Lord doesn't come to crush us or destroy us. He comes to heal us and to restore. He comes to bind up our wounds. And he comes to give us a new understanding of who he is. He does not terrify Elijah and cause Elijah to cower in fear. He just very quietly asks him again the question, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah repeats, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. All he has are his woes. It's all right to bring your woes to God. He's the proper one to bring them to. But now the Lord speaks to him and very gently speaks. Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, son of Nemesh, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shepat, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel. Elijah will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Now I love this. He corrects Elijah with such a gentleness. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. It's not hopeless, Elijah. I still have 7,000 in the nation of Israel who worship me. Now, Elijah has said, I'm finished. I'm done. Take me home. But he now has a new understanding of his assignment, and he has a new commission, and he has a new anointing in great power. he's going to spend the next 20 years in that power ministering the word of the Lord the power that is astonishing this is the power we must have in the new covenant we need the ministering spirit of God to come and give us a new revelation in America of who Jesus was at the cross and who Jesus was at the resurrection. We must have a new understanding of the Holy Spirit and the work he will do in us. There is a place we must come into such intimacy with the Lord God of heaven that he doesn't need wind or fire or earthquakes he simply needs to speak in that still, small voice. He knows what we've done for him. He knows we've done our best. He knows how we've failed. He knows how we've messed up. He knows our hearts have repented before him. 
He knows how you desire to be used by him. But you're going to have a meeting with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to stand in the presence of God and listen to that still, small voice. Now, some of you will not hear that still, small voice because you've created a hurricane around your life. You have created darkness and depression and fear, and you've gone to the devil for your comfort and your food. You're going to have to repent of that. You've tried to be successful. You've tried to please people. You're going to have to repent of that. You're going to have to grow up in Jesus. You're going to have to give up your childish ways. You're going to have to cast yourself fully and completely on the Lord God of heaven. And together we wait for that great revelation of the latter rain, the end time. Evil has come up on every side. It looks like America is going to fall into a racial war. It looks like we're going to be destroyed by China. It looks like we're headed into war on every side. Everything comes to create fear in our hearts. But the Lord says, fear not, for I am with you. Now we need him to come with a new revelation of his glory. In this evil day, I want you to be encouraged by the word of God. And I want you to join together with me in prayer and supplication in zealous, earnest following of Jesus and obeying in righteousness, not living in your sin, not living in any kind of known rebellion against him, but to wait now upon his full revelation for this last day, for the empowerment of the latter rain. It's coming. And you know the latter rain is to bring in the crop. Without it, there will be no crop. I know the latter rain is coming. Go back the way you came. So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha. And we'll talk about that on the next broadcast. I want to pray with you, Almighty God. I pray you will encourage every person listening to this broadcast today that you would come with a new revelation of your glory for these end times, that you would stop all the foolishness, that you would answer every rant, that you would call your people to a new anointing, the latter rain anointing. Lord, I just come today with my brothers and sisters. I confess my shallowness before you. I confess my failures before you. I confess my vainness before you. And I stand by faith in your word that you will send the Holy Spirit in this last day 
to bring in a great harvest. Lord, thank you. I praise you. I love you. I honor your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and please post it on your YouTube page or other social media. Let's get the word out. Let's encourage God's people. Let's call them to repentance. I also would love to hear from you. I'm praying that Jesus will move in your heart to be hilarious in your giving in this very painful, difficult time. Stand by faith and give as the Lord directs you. Write to me, please, at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And there are a number of you I've not heard from this month. I'm very concerned. I've not heard a word from you. I don't know if you're in need. I don't know if you're angry with me because of what I've been preaching. And if you are, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you angry. But I have to preach a straight, honest, unvarnished word of God, even if it cuts across our social ideas. So please write to me. Stand with me. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Also, go to our webpage. You can give online at nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. My brother, my sister, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon. Faith and hope.